0: Welcome back, everyone, to the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast. I'm your host, Leanne Lindsay, and today I'm interviewing Dr. Eric Acebedo, and we are discussing adrenal fatigue. And I'm so excited because this is like so many of the things we talk about, a bit of a hot topic. And of course, we come at it from an integrative perspective. So Dr. Acevedo outlines what do the adrenals do for us? How do they begin to become imbalanced? What is adrenal fatigue? And if left unchecked, what other illnesses can it lead to? What are some of the tests that can be used to diagnose adrenal fatigue, and he makes a point of comparing and contrasting the tests that they do in conventional medicine versus the tests he would do here at the center with the patient to begin to identify adrenal fatigue. And then we get into supplements, lifestyle changes, services and treatments that he frequently utilizes to help reverse adrenal fatigue in his patients. So I know this is gonna be such an informative episode for you. As always, check the show notes because we will link products mentioned, we'll link to other resources about topics that we discuss so that you can learn more, whether it's a service or a treatment or a book, whatever it might be. So be sure to check the show notes. And with that, please enjoy this interview with Dr. Acevedo. Well, welcome back, Dr. Acevedo, to the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me today.
0: And today we're going to be talking about adrenal fatigue, which is, it's being talked about a lot more, especially over the last few years. But I'm excited to dive into this, especially with you, because there is still some debate about, at least that I've seen, is adrenal fatigue even real? No, it's not. And so we're going to be diving into this topic today.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, especially in conventional world, they don't recognize this disease because, you know, conventional tests will only identify those that are on the end of the spectrum. So the Addison's disease, which is the low adrenal uh, cortisol, and the Cushing syndrome on the other end of the spectrum. But how about those that are in the middle? Those are the type of patients that we miss.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So right. to start off, give us a basic, this is like anatomy 101, what do the adrenals do in the body?
1: Right, so the adrenal glands are those glands that are right above the kidney, on both sides of the kidney. And it produces a lot of hormones. So the first level is the cortisol, which is our, our stress hormone. And then on the other, on the next level will be the adrenalines, which is your norepinephrine and epinephrine and and then the next level would be the sex hormones. some of these are sex hormones especially for postmenopausal women some of these sex hormones that are produced in the adrenal glands so the adrenal glands has produced a lot of you know hormones and it is believed that we don't survive if we remove two or two of our adrenal glands because they're these these glands are necessary for survival
0: hmm so Let's dive straight into how does adrenal fatigue even occur, and what is the process? What's sort of gone wrong or what imbalances maybe have occurred in the body that have allowed this to happen?
1: Right. So as I mentioned, you know, adrenal gland is necessary for survival. We are constantly exposed to stress reactions, and that makes our... I guess as human beings, we are designed to respond to stress so that our body can cope with it. We call it this, you know, fight or flight response. And we are bombarded with that every day, right? Uh, Ranging from, you know, bad news, death of a loved one, or an accident, all this stuff that is happening. So our body will try to cope with that by increasing the cortisol level. And stress can be physical, as I've mentioned, and emotional, and then psychological. Then there's the environmental toxins that we're exposed to every day, which could affect our adrenal system and our cortisol system. I know we're bombarded a lot with a lot of these toxins in our environment, from pesticides to heavy metals. And every day when we are exposed to it, we just can't avoid it. So we live in a toxic soup. And another thing that could precipitate some stressful reaction would be infectious agent. And some of us will, will respond to it. In, initially, our cortisol respond to that in, as an initial insult. And then after two or three days, it goes down as you recover. So, But sometimes there's a constant you know, situation where you're exposed to everyday stresses.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah. now I've heard before that... Chronic stress is kind of what leads us down this road to eventual adrenal fatigue, but I actually haven't heard before about how toxic stress can also play a role in that. Is it just because it's adding a weight to the body that it all needs to carry or are the adrenal glands directly involved in processing those toxic stress?
1: So, yeah, when we are exposed to chronic stress and toxins, our body will react to it by trying to eliminate it. For example, in physical stress, for example, you're working all the time. Here's the problem now, because our, our uh, nutritional wise, we are eating junk foods and this could affect the hormone secretion because our body will tend to most of our food, like processed foods and high sugar stuff increases blood sugar. Way too fast, and then your body tries to cope it by increasing insulin secretion. It goes back down fast. That now you go into hypoglycemic state, technically, and then your cortisol will try to go up to try to balance your glucose level in your body. So, and if you constantly do that, you are increasing the load of to your body and constantly secretion of cortisol, and eventually over the years, it it takes time to develop what we call adrenal fatigue because now your body is exhausted from constant cortisol production. There are actually three stages. I'll probably just go ahead and discuss the stages of adrenal fatigue. So the first one is the the alarm reaction, and I I, I touched on that briefly. When we are exposed to any stress or infection toxins our body will try to cope with that by increasing cortisol production and over the next two or three days as you recover will start to go down however there are infections for example that are chronic or autoimmune reaction where you have this constant inflammation constant infection and toxins could contribute to chronic inflammation in our body and so our, our body will continue to produce cortisol in order to protect yourself, essentially, from all the stressors, and that's how our mechanism works. Now, after the alarm phase, if the stressors are still there, your body will go into the resistance phase, which is the second part of the adrenal fatigue, uh, where your body, because of cortisol, it will go into gluconeogenesis, which is formation of glucose and metabolism of the carbohydrates to constantly produce the necessary fuel of your body so that you won't have low glucose or what we call hypoglycemia. So as your body constantly uses these nutrients, like the protein, carbohydrates to, to supply it, so your cortisol will continue to produce and also has anti-inflammation uh, properties, the mm. cortisol itself. In small quantities, but in larger quantities, it suppresses our immune system. So over time, I've seen patients where they have chronic reactivation of viruses. Hmm. And that will lead to, eventually, and I always tell my patients, you know, sometimes you don't know the symptoms, sometimes you have fatigue. And these chronic infection and reactivation of viruses will lead to chronic inflammation. We know that all these chronic disease, the bottom line is the chronic inflammation. And so that's the problem there. And then on the third phase, as you constantly exposed to the stressors, either toxins, environment, psychos- psychological, then your body will get exhausted with the cortisol. Now you go you go into the third phase, which is called exhaustion. That's where you have the symptoms of the dizziness, where most common symptoms of low cortisol is your low blood pressure, uh, low blood sugar, and you feel dizzy. This is now you're heading into what we call Addison's disease now, where you didn't have either very low cortisol level or pretty much nothing. And these are the extreme cases.
0: Mm-hmm. So once you hit that point, what then starts to happen, right? Because it's a slow process for the adrenals mm-hmm. to sort of be fatigued. And once they're fatigued, they're not able to do their job as well. And then it becomes this sort of domino effect that other organs, glands start to follow. So can you give us, I'm sure it's a broad (laughs) topic, but can you give us a little bit of what that domino effect might be? I know oftentimes thyroid issues can be related to adrenal issues, so things like that.
1: Right, so eventually our hormones work like a symphony. So if one hormone is off, it it follows the other hormones we will eventually, Affected. So, for example, in cortisol and hypocortisol adrenal fatigue patients, I always sometimes see, you know, uh, also hypothyroidism comes along with it because they are, again, they communicate with each other. And other hormones follow. So, as I mentioned, you know, cortisol is produced in adrenal glands, but there are also other hormones that are produced there. DHEA is another hormone. And the which with the epinephrine or epinephrine and then your sex hormones are also produced there, at least some of it. So eventually you start to see symptoms that are complex, mm-hmm. that are interrelated from it began with stress and high cortisol, now it goes down, the mm-hmm. same happens to other hormones. Now we're seeing DHEA down and the pregnenolone, which is the I will consider that as a mother of all hormone because that's where the cold cholesterol is actually the raw material necessary for our hormones. Then it goes to the pregnenolone pathway and then pregnenolone goes into Cortisol and androstenedione, all other hormones, sex hormones. There, so that starts to go down, and I've seen that clinically. So we have a myriad of symptoms, for ranging from being fatigued, they're dragging themselves to work, they have low sex drive, they have brain fog. So now you have to deal with this, uh, not just the cortisol, but all other hormones, to to eventually you know fix them into put them back to where they were before.
0: Yeah. So, you know, for example, one of the ones that you touched on was hypothyroidism often accompanies adrenal fatigue. So if we are just treating the hypothyroidism, we might not be getting to the root cause of the adrenal fatigue. So then, you know, we're just on whatever Mm -hmm. that hypothyroid treatment or medication is for the rest of our life while the root cause just continues to brew. When you have a patient come in with adrenal fatigue, First of all, I guess let's start with how do you identify it? What are the tests you would do that might differ to conventional testing? They mm-hmm. might be the same as well, but what are the tests you do first, and then we'll get into how do we begin to reverse this?
1: Right. So basically, what we've done in integrative functional medicine, once I have strong suspicion of adrenal fatigue or a thyroid problem, basically I'm gonna check the thyroid hormones, and also I'll do the saliva cortisol test. Uh, To me, that's the most accurate way of determining if you have adrenal fatigue because it measures your cortisol, uh, what we call four-point cortisol saliva test, which measures one at 7 o'clock in the morning, and then the next one is at 10, then 3 p.m., and then 10 in the evening. So now you'll see a pattern of what is going on with your cortisol throughout the day. Mm -hmm. Now, as we know, cortisol has diurnal rhythm. So it goes up at around 8, between 8 and 10, goes up. It peaks at around 8 to 10 in the morning and then starts to go down a little bit until the evening starts to go down. So that prepares your body to go to sleep, your cortisol. So to me, that will be the first one that I will test. So I'll have a cortisol test and then the thyroid hormones because they all are connected. And if they have other symptoms of low libido, I'll also check the either the male or female hormone panel because, again, they're all interconnected. Mm-hmm. In severe cases, you know, there's the gold standard in conventional medicine. is the ACTH. We call it ACTH stimulation test where it's usually done in the office setting. And they measure the cortisol level first. And then they give the drug called ACTH to stimulate cortisol production. And that is measured one and two hours after that subsequently. And the problem with this test is that only becomes positive when you have really really low cortisol as i've Mm -hmm. said before if you're way on the end of the spectrum where you have Addison's disease then that will show up but however if you're in the middle you're still produce cortisol Mm -hmm. but you have the symptoms of adrenal insufficiency or adrenal fatigue so those are the three types of tests that i will do Mm rarely i do acth stimulation test because usually that's done by endocrinologists i'll usually refer them to uh, if I really suspect a really low uh, cortisol. but most of the time the persons that we see in a clinic majority, I think one hundred percent of the time are those that are in the middle spectrum, the adrenal an insufficiency. Mm-hmm. so more than likely I'll do the saliva cortisol test and all the other hormones, the thyroid hormone panel, the male or female hormone panel.
0: So mm-hmm. I'm curious with the saliva test you said normally are, cortisol would peak in the morning about eight to ten and then mm-hmm. it starts to slowly lower throughout mm-hmm. the day so when you have someone come in with adrenal fatigue what might their saliva test look like when is the cortisol peaking or maybe it's not peaking at all
1: right so most of the time that I've seen is their cortisol level is way too high around early morning which I, you can see that and because they will the 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 saliva cortisol test will give you a diagram of it. So usually it's really high early morning, then the cortisol level starts to go down around eight and ten, and then starts to peak again in the evening, which is opposite mm-hmm. of what it should be. Or I've seen where it's pretty much low all day long. So those are the types of patients that I've seen. I mean, there's more in between, but mm-hmm. yeah, these these are the most common patients yeah. that I've seen.
0: Yeah, and so it's kind of like, for a lot of people, what it might be doing is, they are getting that early morning energy, but then they're also getting this late night energy that then is yep. inhibiting their sleep, they're not getting good rest. Exactly. And then the people maybe on the other end of the spectrum where there's just low energy from morning but, till, exactly. <laughs> till sleep and again.
1: See, you'll see that in the saliva test mm-hmm. so. Now, you mentioned earlier about treating the thyroid. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give some uh, my feedback there because here's the problem some some of us will treat thyroid only without checking the cortisol level the problem with that if you correct the thyroid first without correcting the cortisol first is they're gonna have more symptoms they get okay the doctor gave me thyroid medication but I still feel actually I feel worse Mm. because now you're stimulating your thyroid hormone now your metabolism goes up but you don't have enough reserve cortisol you don't have the stress hormone to counteract that now they get worse oh wow sometimes i've seen i work in the hospital for 10 years and they ended up in the hospital because of lower blood pressure they're really tired so i usually fix the cortisol first there's so many ways that we can treat that so usually i'll fix the cortisol first and then after a week if they felt better and i noticed that their thyroid hormone is also low then i'll start slowly in the thyroid hormone mm. so there's a fine balance there that you need to make sure you didn't tip them over
0: yeah yeah so that's so interesting well i'm curious too real quickly if you can touch on conventional medicine how might they address it sounds like if they're only diagnosing these extreme types of adrenal fatigue what does their approach even look like in treating that is it just some kind of hormone replacement
1: exactly so most common hormones that they're gonna start them on is hydrocortisone or dexamethasone or prednisone but mainly hydrocortisone because it works especially if they have electrolyte abnormalities because when your cortisol goes down too low you'll start to see low sodium and high potassium level, that's Addison's Mm -hmm. disease, so easily they put in the prednisone. Hydrocortisone is, it depends on the clinical picture of the patient. Mm -hmm. So typically it's hydrocortisone because that mimics the cortisol where it balances the electrolytes too.
0: Okay. And is it similar to so much of what we talk about in integrative medicine where those treatments for someone with an extreme adrenal fatigue might be life changing and might get them back on the road to recovery. But we do still need to ask, why did the adrenals get fatigued in the first place?
1: Right, right. With this type of patient, though, they feel really great once they put, once we put mm-hmm. them on hydrocortisone or any, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and it might be just chorosone.
0: the edge they need to get the ball, get that spiral going mm-hmm. upward versus right. down, down, down.
1: Right, and, and now that I'm into integrative medicine, how I would approach this is a little bit of hydrocortisone enough maybe a small dose of five milligrams maybe twice a day and then i'll add adaptogens and these are the herbs Mm -hmm. and of course other vitamins and minerals that the patients need you know and most of these patients are deficient in antioxidants vitamin c vitamin e and uh, alpha-lipoic acid because as you body cope with stressors in your life All these antioxidants gets depleted. Mm -hmm. So that's how integrative medicine works. You you need to support it. And then eventually, once the cortisol goes back to normal level, then you can start weaning them off from the synthetic drugs. Mm -hmm. And you can maintain them on just the herbs and the vitamins and minerals that they need.
0: Mm -hmm. So let's come (laughs) back to our patient example. You've got a patient that comes in. Maybe you do the saliva test. You see there's sort of stage two adrenal fatigue. Where do you then go from there in terms of treatment? You said first what you would do is maybe get the cortisol under control. So how would you right. go about doing that?
1: Right. So I'll discuss briefly on the physiologic mechanism of how adrenal fatigue happens. So as we subject ourselves to any stressors, the cortisol goes up, and on the resistance phase, the cortisol stays high for a long time. And what happens is this causes feedback mechanism back to the midbrain or the hypothalamus. Now, the hippocampal region is where you have what we call the amygdala. And that part of the brain is where there's a lot of cortisol receptors. Now, the mechanism now that uh, now that we have a lot of research, the mechanism uh, on the adrenal fatigue is as the cortisol feeds back to the brain to tell the brain that, hey, we have enough cortisol, and usually the physiologic mechanism is to downgrade that, what we call hypothalamic pituitary axis, or the HPA axis. Now, it will start to decrease the signals to the adrenal gland, thus decreasing the cortisol. But what happens in people who are live a stressful life is if constantly cortisol is being secreted goes back to the brain sending a negative feedback over time the hippocampal region will start to become resistant to it as a way of coping it that hey you know uh, you're stimulating us too much i need to slow down and this actually in the research they found out that those patients with ptsd and this chronic fatigue syndrome, people have shrunk their hippocampal region because of constant cortisol stimulation. That's actually a physiologic mechanism where brain will go into protective mode and their neurons will start to degenerate. You need to slow down. Actually, in fact, also the cortisols will, your brain has what we call BDNF or brain-derived neurotrophic factor which essentially also has a protective mechanism, cortisol. And and this protein actually would help with the synapses in the brain and helps with the neuron transmission, helps with what we call plasticity of the nervous system. It also controls that HPA axis, which I mentioned earlier, the hypothalamic pituitary axis. Now, the hypothalamus secretes what we call CRH or corticotropin-releasing hormone which goes to the anterior part of the pituitary gland, which secretes ACTH. ACTH will stimulate the cortisol, the adrenal gland to produce cortisol. So that's the the main pathway. So we need to prevent this. I've seen patients where they have, over the years they've been constantly stressed and they have brain fog, which is the most common form. And then I can tell that, okay, these patients starting to have problems in the upper part of the brain so, there are so many ways that we can do that.
0: I'd love to hear sort of that progression. So, if we're trying to address this cortisol imbalance and issue mm-hmm. and resistance, how do we start there? Is that a, a supplement protocol, a treatment protocol, or is it just go home and meditate <laughs> until you're calm? Right.
1: So, so it encompasses a lot of things. Uh, mainly, what I do is when I see this type of patient, especially they, when they already have brain fog, they're really tired all the time. And just to touch briefly with the signs and symptoms. So our listeners will be aware of what are the symptoms of uh, adrenal fatigue? There will be difficulty getting up in the morning. They have constant fatigue. As we mentioned, they have dizziness. Now, usually this is the later part we're heading into stage three, when they started to have this dizziness, low blood pressure, and they have craving for salty foods, lack of energy, and then there's increased effort to do everyday tasks. Then there's increased time to recovery from illness and injury. And then there's decreased sex drive. As I mentioned, you know, as your cortisol starts to go down over the years, it also affects the sex hormones. Then they have decreased ability to handle stress. And these are the patients that have meltdowns. They start to cry. They cannot handle stress. And then, as I mentioned, they have depression and PTSD. And they have foggy and more fuzzy and memories less accurate. So these are the same symptoms that patients should be aware so once i see these kind of patients definitely and I've, if i see the results in their labs and, and it's all out of whack for example their thyroid is down their cortisol is also out of whack so usually i put them adaptogens on water adaptogens or the adrenal extracts so adaptogens are herbs that will modulate the cortisol levels and the i'll i'll cite some examples ashwagandha is one r- rhodiola uh, licorice I know licorice kind of some people will try to avoid that, especially with the high blood pressure. Now the thing with that is, licorice would there's some theory there that licorice will block the conversion of cortisol to cortisone, so now you have increased level of cortisol leading to sodium retention and blood pressure issues. But according to Doctor Wright, he said that happens only when you're taking too much of licorice, mm. and that I've never seen it clinically. Unless they have underlying blood pressure already, mm-hmm. uh, high blood pressure. But I've never seen that. So definitely, I'll put them on a combination of herbs. And we have supplements now that has a combination of rhodiola, ashwagandha, mm-hmm. magnolia, all these uh, adaptogens. And there's also adrenal extracts that we get from bovine extracts. Now, here's the difference between the bovine extracts and the, the synthetic prednisone or no hydrocortisone. Now, these are natural substances and they tend to um, modulate your cortisol level without sending a negative feedback to the brain. Now, with synthetic drugs like prednisone, hydrocortisone, these send a negative feedback to the brain. So that's why once you put them on these synthetic drugs, you have to wean them off. You cannot just stop cold turkey. Because when they're uh, on it for so long that when you stop it, it downgrades the HPA axis. So now you have a, acute cortisol, low cortisol, because mm, wow. it, it takes time to for the adrenals to respond to it because of that effect. So that's why we mainly use an, an integrative medicine. We use the herbs, which can modulate and doesn't hurt the HPA axis and the adrenal extracts. So once, and there's one particular supplement that I like, we call RG3 because i've mentioned before if the cortisol is too way too high for, for a long time it it causes burnout i call it burnout on the hippocampal region mm. which is where a lot of cortisol receptors are in, in the mid part of their brain and that as in research you know uh it causes shrinking of that and loses neurons actual dendritic neurons too so with rg3 it helps regenerate this part of the brain Oh, wow. because it also has anti-inflammation. And what is that made of is, I believe is a combination of Panax and American ginseng.
0: Okay. Is that a product we sell here at the center?
1: No, it's compounded. Okay. So the some compound pharmacies mm-hmm. create that. And so I'll combine that with some adaptogens to help modulate the cortisol, but at the same time, it decreases the inflammation in the brain using RG3.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So then from there, is that where you start and you say, okay, let's just do this for X amount of time and then we'll move on to the next step?
1: Right, of course. Uh, most of the time, you know, there are a lot of stressors. That's one is some supplementation. Number two is diet. What are their diet? Because mm-hmm. some of these patients, they go into what we call cravings or stress eating. They eat a lot of junk foods. That's one thing they need to change we need to switch them to you know low glycemic index food and those are the type of food that has doesn't spike your sugar too high Mm. and too fast and more protein carbohydrates carbohydrates and fats the good fats and also i'm going to put them on mineral supplements because there are minerals that they need that vitamin c as i mentioned antioxidants gets depleted in this type of patients you need to replace it with vitamin c vitamin e and then you have the minerals that are necessary A vitamin b complex is a cofactor in production of cortisol and most of these patients are depleted and the necessary minerals uh these are the trace minerals Mm. molybdenum selenium you name it manganese magnesium is really important because these are again cofactors that will make the cortisol so as soon as you put them on it now you start to have then the cortisol level starts to normalize but of course lifestyle change needs to be done and also definitely meditation and they need to slow down I have patients that leave a very like attorney lawyers and I told him you know you need to slow down I mean I have a friend that he is about my age and already had uh, he's a lawyer and he already had a bypass he was at the age of 36 oh wow and uh, he drinks a lot <laughs> too so I mean these are the type of things that we can you know you need to slow down and now he's slowed down actually and now he's working just part time which is good it's just that there's some people it's hard yeah to stop the work because they need to pay this stuff so uh, at least on weekends I tell them you know you go to the beach walk grounding will help yeah. heal your body and all this meditation you know you take a break go somewhere where Mm -hmm. you can relax with your family Mm -hmm. of course take continue taking ashwagandha all these adaptogens i take it myself because who doesn't have stress nowadays Mm -hmm. (laughs) so yeah and basically nutrition those are the two most important at least if you cannot change your job at least do something that modulates your cortisol level Mm -hmm. anti-inflammation diet all supplements antioxidants and um adaptogens
0: so I'm curious. These are, you know, we've talked about all the lifestyle changes, we've also talked about the supplementation. Are there any treatments or services that someone could do? Like the one that comes top of mind is actually infrared sauna because I know I know it can do a lot for the BDNF, inflammation, detoxification. But it might also—I'm not sure. Maybe it's too stressful if you're in adrenal fatigue. What What do you think about that?
1: Right, definitely. Those are supportive therapies that okay. you, they can use infrared sauna. But we have a treatment actually here that uh, we call it SEP, sono, sono, electro pulse, mm-hmm. or the cell sonic. Another name for that. That actually we have good results, and John can attest to this. Who is a high. I would say high um, ultrasound wave technology. That what he does is he targets the adrenal gland area, and we have patients that felt really good after that. Now, these kind of patients, I would still put them on after that treatment. Immediately, they feel really good. I would still put them on adaptogens because the stressors are still there. But mm-hmm. you know, that's a good one though.
0: I I can actually attest because I've done it with John here. Oh yeah. It is. It's it kind of like a, I mean, I felt yeah. super great. <laughs>
1: yeah, you're not the only one. I mean, you have several patients that feel great after that.
0: Yeah, but it's the same thing, like you said. You mm. do need to, again, make sure we're addressing all the reasons why it happened in the first exactly. place. But exactly. But I want to ask, so with this SEP treatment, sonoelectro pulse, is it doing physiologically to the adrenals that it's creating that response?
1: We're not exactly sure, but what I've heard is resets your... Your adrenals. Mm. Yeah, that's what uh-huh. we've seen. I mean, these are experimental, but you know, it's used, we use it for cancer patients. Mm-hmm. We use it for. It's non invasive. There's no side not effects. It's non invasive. And there's no side effects. It's just ultrasound wave and you can feel it. Mm-hmm. But again, you still need to, I would still, you know, because again, most of these patients are, di- are low in vitamins and minerals and all this stuff. So you still be on the supplements.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And one thing that I would like also to mention that we have here is the peptide called glandocort which is a Russian peptide. Peptide are natural accru- occurring proteins in our body. There's no side effects. With, and uh, there's a, we have a protocol for that, but that's also another you know, uh, treatment that we offer here aside from the, the ashwagandha and all these adaptogens. Mm-hmm. But Glendocort is a cool one that a Russian military guy discovered this and they used it in, in the Russian military.
0: Do you have a lot of patients who will do all those extra treatments along with the supplementation and the lifestyle changes? Definitely. Okay. Yeah.
1: And what I do is I'll put them on that like two or three months and then we'll measure their saliva cortisol t- mm-hmm. levels to see where they are at.
0: And the peptide therapy, how is that administered?
1: So the peptide ter- therapy is a, a tablet. They take it one month on, one month off for three cycles and then stop for the whole year and then do that again the following year.
0: Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. that's so interesting. We'll have to do, I know we're planning a whole podcast on peptide therapies. So yeah, that's th- one of the peptides. Okay, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that'll yeah. be fun to dive yeah. into deeper.
1: Mm-hmm. Again, some patients, the, those extreme patients, especially the one that I saw who, who, came, who ended up in the hospital, I have to put her in a little bit of hydrocortisone. There are certain patients that will need these synthetic mm-hmm. drugs, like mm-hmm. hydrocortisone. For example, is typically what I use a really small dose, like five milligrams, maybe once a day or twice a day. At least to give them a boost. Yeah. You know, then they feel great, then put them in adaptogens and then eventually stop the hydrocortisone and then let the her own body, you know, starts producing cortisol. Mhm. So yeah, and we've got good results with this.
0: Yeah, so. there's a time and a place, and I think the difference is here and with most integrative medicine doctors they recognize there is a place for some of these drugs but the goal is never just to put you on it and leave you on it forever the goal is to use it in a very specific dosage for a specific amount of time and then treat the root cause so you're not on it forever
1: right exactly and i was on these type medications before this was like eight years ago i know my story it's in it's in our website So I had multiple, multiple issues, you know, I thought it was just part of aging, part of my work, working in the hospital, night shift, day shift, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it flips your hormones. Yeah. (laughs) It gets crazy and wild. So, yeah, I have some toxicity, I have, you know, cortisol, all of this, a little bit of thyroid, and again, you know, I have cortisol problems, I have testosterone problems, all of this uh, were out of whack. So... So gladly, you know, I was able to find an integrative doctor that fixed me. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if I was with conventional, they will never find it. Yeah. I mean, my friend was my primary care physician, was also a physician, and did all of the usual tests. By the way, those are the usual tests: of CBC, CMP, which we usually get it from our doctors. And oh, you're fine. No, you're good. And by the way, some of these patients who has problems with fatigue, some of these, some of them are dismissed as oh, you have you have like you have depression you have Uh, then there's an antidepressant yeah Yeah, there's antidepressant there is this that um, and it's just they'll just go downhill Mm
0: -hmm. it's really frustrating for a lot of patients that they come to their doctor and they're saying i feel awful i feel awful and the doctor's saying well your labs are fine so you're fine right and it's sort of like this you know we've got to be able to put on our thinking cap a little bit and go okay they're saying they feel awful. I'm gonna give them a b- the benefit of the doubt and believe them and say, right. okay, their labs are saying they're fine, so let's dig a little deeper, rather than just say, well, your labs are fine, so you must be crazy right. or depressed or whatever.
1: Right, now here's the thing with that. They look at the labs as normal. Now, I, l- integrate and functional doctors, they look at it as what is optimal. Normal doesn't mean anything to me, mm-hmm. because how they came up with this range in the labs is they sampled supposedly normal people and got their hormone level to begin with. And let's say a thousand people and all of them have these different ranges of their, now there's a bell ship cor- curve. So most of them, so they came up with this range. Now what if the range there is not what their value was 10 years before? Mm-hmm. So now you have this different, uh, now you have this problem. And that's the problem that we encounter mostly. Yeah. Unfortunately, in conventional setting because they just look at, oh, it's within the normal range, but probably not optimal.
0: And that's a big difference. Yeah. And from what I've heard, too, because I went on this journey with hypothyroidism is the conventional endocrinologist was saying, well, your your range is fine. It's normal. And as I went on the journey and met different (laughs) practitioners, A practitioner was explaining to me well you know the range for normal hypo you know normal thyroid function is based off of testing people from 0 to 99 years old right so the optimal for someone your age is actually this versus this big range and when you look at it from that it's like oh my gosh that makes so much sense right
1: right and I remember uh, from my mentors that you treat the patient not the number
0: Mm. oh that's such a good saying oh my gosh we're gonna have to make yeah. that a quote <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. well so. Dr. Acevedo thank you so much I really yeah. hope yeah. the listeners the patients find this just super impactful of course we always will include contact information to get in contact with you whether it's your nurse sure. and um, so that anyone who wants to learn more or even book an appointment whether in person or virtually can do that
1: right yeah sure yeah thank you so much for inviting me and. And I guess till next time.
0: Yeah, thank you. <laughs>